0: Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. Hope you enjoy this 4th of July weekend. Happy birthday, America! That's not all we're celebrating. It was on this day, July 1, in 1991, that President George H.W. Bush nominated Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court. And I can tell you this. In media bias history, the media no likey. Yes, even on that night, especially because he was going to replace Thurgood Marshall, a liberal black justice. So the media really hated that a black liberal justice like Thurgood Marshall would somehow be followed up by a black conservative justice in Clarence Thomas. And their whole line in the media at that time was, Somehow the liberals were all about protecting individual rights. They were, of course, thinking of abortion and not all the other individual rights that were used to the conservatives in, jura- in the judiciary defending. Um, now, all these years later, Justice Thomas has distinguished himself on the court, and yet they're still mocking him on Twitter. Rex Chapman! Former NBA guard, now a Twitter personality, hired by CNN+, you'll understand why, as we explain. Yes, he was attacking Clarence Thomas as not exactly black because, guess what? He didn't go to NBA games. Rex Chapman was saying, hey, Bill Clinton came to Washington Bullets games when I was with the Bullets. Clarence Thomas didn't come see me play. I was like, this, I I tweeted this, uh, this is an interesting test in racial authenticity that whether you've seen Rex Chapman play basketball. Then it went on to Rex Chapman posting pictures of Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas and also uh, pictures of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron and his white wife. Can you tell Rex Chapman's from Kentucky? He was somehow suggesting that this also implied that these men were not exactly authentically black because they married white people. So I also had to tweet, will we see Rex Chapman tweeting pictures of Katanji Brown Jackson and her white husband? I'm guessing not. But uh, Clarence Thomas, somebody we've written about many times, we were very busy in 1991 with all the bias of his confirmation hearings and especially the the whiz-bang ending with Anita Hill's still unproven charges. Yes, at least she worked with Thomas. She wasn't quite the Blasey Ford of her era because they actually worked together, whereas Blasey Ford couldn't figure out where and when she ever met Brett Kavanaugh, teenage Brett Kavanaugh. So, today, very special day, we're going to bring on MRC Latino Director Jorge Bonilla from Florida. Welcome, Jorge. Thank you,
1: Sam. It's always great
0: to be on. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say that one of the reasons I'd have you on today, because it's Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Ah, ha, ha. no relation.
1: No relation. But the Mets- I do. I do enjoy making fun of my Met fan friends on this <laughs> glorious day where Bobby Bonilla gets to collect
0: uh, a, million two, quite a few
1: years left of that, by the
0: way. A million two a year until 2035 when he'll be 72. Now, I should note. For sports fans, the Sports Junkies show here in D.C. reminded us that the Washington Nationals are going to be paying Max Scherzer fifteen million a year in deferred salary until twenty twenty eight. It's a lot more money than Bobby's getting,
1: and that goes to tell you why why Juan Soto isn't going to get five hundred million dollars from the Nats anytime soon.
0: Well, they're going to come off of that money. Well, the other story here, of course, was Bradley Beal getting a. A huge chunk of change, but that's just the way the NBA works. All right, enough sports talk. Uh, let's talk about Myra Flores, the new congresswoman from Texas. Uh, the news media obviously hasn't been really that excited about her, and I think one of the reasons is that they suspect she won't actually win re-election. She just got she just won an election, but she's got just a few months in office before she right. she's up again. Her challenger, what? Vicente Gonzalez, you reported, was trying to mock her by saying she wasn't a real American. She was born in Mexico. Huh. Yeah, there, there was um
1: Newsweek reported this. And what's interesting is that the Latino media, the corporate Latino media was totally silent on this. Recall, uh, what is it, seven years? It's been seven, almost seven years ago when Donald J. Trump went down the gilded staircase of Trump (laughs) Tower and he said, they're not sending us their very best. And that drove the media crazy. That drove them into a tizzy. And all you heard for the next five years was quote unquote anti-immigrant rhetoric. And everybody had something to say about anti-immigrant rhetoric. Well, now you have Vicente Gonzalez, Who, when when he was asked by Newsweek about Myra Flores and and her historic victory as the first Mexican-born congresswoman uh, to win an election, he he said, I am the real Texan in this race. (laughs) I am the grandson of a Korean War veteran, or the son of a Korean War veteran. And I, you know, I was born here. Uh, I did not come here through amnesty or chain migration or whatever have you, and I I just had to ask, if Vicente Gonzalez were not a Hispanic Democrat, but if he were a white Anglo-Republican saying these things, mm-hmm. what would the coverage be like?
0: Well, especially if in Spanish w- language networks, which you you've made the point many times that Immigration is the in migration is the big that's the big issue this constant central issue. Yeah, that's the mother's
1: milk of all Spanish language media. And and let me tell you something, Tim. If uh, on the way these these uh, newscasts are set up, Univision or Telemundo, it's immigration. It's immigration grievance. It's about making Hispanics feel uh, like victims uh, due to their due to being immigrants or whatever. So if if you have some random Karen out there who is yelling at a migrant to speak English and it gets caught on somebody's cell phone and it gets uploaded to social media, guaranteed that's going to get you two to three minutes of a block on any Spanish language newscast. Guaranteed. You can write it down. That'll uh, get a block coverage. But a Democratic congressman. Using that same kind of rhetoric against Myra Flores, you heard crickets. (laughs) You heard nothing. They did not report it. They have not reported it. You know, you have – we often talk about bias by omission, bias by commission, and this is what I call bias by burial.
0: Yeah. And and that's
1: what you see with this this kind of story.
0: Yeah, bias by omission is – this is, I think – uh, and I think journalists would agree that this is the most powerful kind of bias, because if you don't know what you don't know, uh, you know, you come to us so you know. Um, I think that, that speaking of that, since we're on the Myra Flores topic, um, speaking of viral clips, we have this clip, a little subtle, but still interesting, that Myra Flores is there. They're taking pictures, I guess, of her swearing in. And uh, the daughter, one of the daughters is there in the picture. And you can see Nancy Pelosi elbowing the kid to get, you know, out of the picture or at least further away from her. And the Spanish language networks, that's more biased by burial. Yeah, that's that's,
1: that's biased by, by just th- throwing the earth under it <laughs> and making sure that nobody ever talks about that story on Spanish language media. On social media, that was just just terrible. They, they haven't spoken about it. They haven't covered it. They haven't reported it. Again, again, very powerful person, elbows a little brown girl. That's A-block coverage on any newscast, on Univision, Telemundo. Uh, if it weren't Myra Flores' daughter, mm-hmm. but it were a little migrant child, being elbowed by, say, a, a border patrol officer. What kind of coverage do you think that would get? Well, I certainly would be from here to
0: the moon. I certainly don't expect it would be. Uh, this would be on the cover of Time magazine because Time magazine makes up interactions between President Trump and cr- crying illegal alien kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, speaking of. Omission. This is actually not a story of omission. I think this was the most interesting scoop you had this week, and that is we had this dreadful death of 53 migrants in the back of a truck in Texas. And that was a story, but it's already a fading story in the mainstream, quote-unquote, media here. You're saying, and maybe this will surprise our listeners— Huge story on your networks.
1: The day of, well, it's it's it got about ninety percent of of the the six thirty newscasts on Univision and Telemundo because again, because immigration is the apex issue that is central to the existence of these networks. um, Immigration stories tend to get amplified more than any other subject matter. So when you have the the death. Of now it's up to fifty four. When you have fifty four migrants, uh, at the time it was fifty, that you know that die of of heat stroke in as they're stuffed into a truck and and driven around Texas. That's going to get a block coverage on these Latino networks immediately. Uh, Telemundo, Univision, they relocated their anchors to Texas. They did their newscasts from San Antonio. Uh, they deployed all kind of resources there. So this is this was huge. This was a huge deal. This is important, and it's it kind of shows the the imbalance uh, for different reasons. Right. In Univision and Telemundo, you see the imbalance uh, in favor of that story because that immigration is so central to the existence of Latino interest media with the your other legacy um, corporate media. The story gets suppressed because it is disadvantageous to the Dem- Democrats uh, generally and to Joe Biden specifically. So, again, you have kind of biased by burial. Uh, the story gets short shrift. There were 50 dead, a 30 second mention. And and let's move on.
0: Yeah, I think we'll be trying to measure that in, in on the regular networks as to when this story sort of dried up. Uh, Mark Levin had a, a, the show the other week, uh, or the other day after the, um, the, the grab the steering wheel testimony at the January 6th committee. He started the show by talking about the, this thing in Texas. And he said, I know you expected me to start with January 6th, but that's going to go on and on, and this is going to go away in three days. So now I want to see if it goes away in 3 days. Uh the it, it, which is sad and I think that this is this is a story just like Uvalde which they are still doing. The Today show was talking about that this morning. They had outraged parents yelling at the city council as as well they should. Um this is a story that should not go away and it is, you know, this is where you would say the death toll from this is now approaching 11 times what the death toll from January 6th was, and of course it's, there's always, that's always going to be a little misleading because it counts two heart attacks and a drug overdose. Right. Uh, but, it, but it, you know, I don't mind them doing the January 6th, but of course that's that's the enormous story in our, in our CNN and MSNBC. They can't, can't, can't get enough of it. They can't our, quit that. Uh, let's shift to, speaking of Biden, I'm going to shift to this idea of... Um, we were noticing today, um, th- w- and we notice this every day, and we've done some studies on this, and that is that the media will acknowledge that prices are out of control. The media will acknowledge that it's hard to get baby formula or something. What they won't acknowledge is they don't want to connect it to the President of the United States. Um, you had an item on how Telemundo sounded like part of the White House press office on gas prices. They, th- the woman actually said... Biden's plan would be just what the doctor ordered,
1: just what the doctor ordered, because, again, the focus is on the true victim and the true victim is not necessarily the, the millions of Americans paying uh, outrageous prices at the gas pump and going through, uh, you know, the, this this inflation uh, on, on food and, and all kinds of other items. By the way, I have to ask you, Ron me to ask you later on. If anybody has updated the story on on sixteen cent on the sixteen cent savings from the Fourth of July picnics, <laughs> whether anybody updated that, because the Farm Bureau did an update this year, and it turned out to be that instead of saving sixteen cents, we're spending ten dollars and eighteen cents more on uh, on the Independence Day picnics. But yeah, they, they the, the true victim are the political fortunes of Joe Biden. So that's where where they come out with this is just what the doctor ordered, um, because of course. Gas prices is is one of those things that y- you can't spin out of that. Yeah. And Latino media can't spin out of it. You can report. and they've reported, and this is this is true in any language. The media will report on things uh, as though they are their own disconnected entity, as though this inflation appeared um you know, by Immaculate Conception, as though <laughs> you know, food prices are are more expensive, just. You know, by, by simultaneously, you know, just spontaneously this happened. I can't explain this. How did this happen? We have no idea without tying it to, to the policy component. So th- this happens. I know this happens on, on the legacy media. And likewise, this this happens with Spanish language media. The coverage is almost identical. Yeah, I,
0: we did have I will say to you, we did have a story. Curtis Howe reported on Newsbusters uh, that ABC covered the pretty dramatic increase of your 4th of July picnic. uh, And then mentioned the president not at all. Uh, In fact, also did a story on declining, rapidly declining stock prices. I believe this is the worst first half of a year in 52 years. Right. And Well, we're not going to mention the president in a story like that. Why would you do that? And I think that underlines something we've said many times, certainly when I started here in 1989. Still in 1989, everything that went wrong was Reagan's fault. Uh, If children's pajamas were flammable, it was Reagan's fault because he deregulated everything. Um, I'm not making this up. This was actually in the notable quotables. I mean, we just had a list of everything that was Reagan's fault. And that's and and when the Democrats in, are in power, it goes exactly the other way. All right, now let's turn to an issue that uh, Jorge has been active on. It's called Radio Mom B. Uh, there was a uh uh Foxnews.com interviewed Jorge a couple weeks ago. You can Google that. You know, Jorge Bonilla, Radio Bomb B probably gonna get right to the Foxnews.com interview. Um, you called it a hostile takeover by Radio Soros. Just sort of explain that whole story.
1: Okay, so you have, uh, in the beginning, there was Univision. And Univision uh, got into the radio business, uh, owned a bunch of radio stations. Univision uh, once ran a talk radio network. It was called Univision America. It failed. It floundered. It did not do well at all. They repurposed those stations Fast forward a few years, Univision merges with Televisa. They begin to liquidate some assets. They want to get rid of these radio stations. They enter into negotiations with Salem Communications oh. um, to, to buy some to, to unload these stations. Um, somehow, uh, Democrat activists get wind of this. They form a media called the Latino uh, company, a media company called the Latino Media Network. They rustle up some some investors, among them Eva Longoria, a few others. Uh, they get a big chunk of change from George Soros. They swoop in, they blow uh, Salem out of the water in, in terms of the of the offer for the stations. Uh, Salem offered forty three million. Uh, Latino Media Network offered sixty, and you know they they pick up um, a bunch of radio stations in places like Miami, Florida, New York City, Chicago. Is the footprint, Los Angeles, Fresno, Las Vegas, and then in Texas, you have S- Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, and McAllen. That's a pretty significant Hispanic coverage footprint. Um, but you know, this the pretty it's a pretty controversial sale because one of the stations that's included in this transaction was not one of the original Univision America radio stations, but it's Radio Mambi. Radio Mambi is this stalwart, anti-communist radio station that broadcasts out of Miami that was founded by by the Cuban exile community, and it, it speaks to the Cuban exile community. Mambi has long been the target of uh, the left with these allegations of quote unquote Spanish language disinformation, which <laughs> is something that the left uses to explain their increasingly poor fortunes with Democrats. <laughs> and so as a deal sweetener, Univision threw Radio Monbi in with, with the other uh, former Univision America radio stations. So Latino Media Network sort of does a double a double strike here in that they take Monbi off of the air. And they also try to recreate the Univision America radio network. So they begin to pump uh, left-leaning talk radio into the Hispanic community across the nation in, in some pretty significant markets.
0: Yeah, you could see where that might be a, you know, important in certain states. Certainly, in, you know, in turning out the Latino vote or or motivating the Latino vote, you can see where, yes, the Hollywood left and so on would get involved in and try to buy up those media properties. Yeah. The, um, then there's the abortion issue, which we've been doing, we've been focusing on heavily here at Newsbusters. Um, and, uh, and MRC Latino has been a part of that. Uh, we had this uh, story where a Telemundo anchor dressed in black and editorialized, sort of just like the English language, uh, that we used to be a modern country. And today we're going back almost a half a century
1: we look we we in their view we have regressed and as i've often said almost since since from the beginning of my days at, at at the mrc when you look at the whole uh leftist policy array immigration like i said is the apex number one issue but the leftist media will often adopt the rest of the left-wing policy poopoo platter <laughs> and abortion is near the top of that list, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you the, the coverage was, it was as funereal as as anybody else. So you had this one Telemundo anchor who who she you know she said that that the U.S. was thrown back fifty years, and she called it the right of of you know to abort for women to abort babies inside. She recognized the humanity of what it was it was being aborted. But it doesn't matter. You want to abort them
0: anyway. Yeah, they don't usually use. They don't like the term "babies" um, in the English language. They're, they're, they're. I mean, if you go looking for the word "babies," you're going to have a hard time. Uh, they just like to talk vaguely of the right to choose. Uh, right. The uh, yeah, there's there's what they cover, and then there's bias by burial again, yeah, or almost burial. You you noted that the we had a uh, some vandalism here in Reston, Virginia. At a catholic church not far from the office uh and Uh, univision gave that 17 seconds
1: well that that 17 seconds encompasses I, i would say that that's representative of the coverage given to all of the violence all of the 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 violence in service of the abortion agenda that we've seen over the past few months univision and telemundo talk about bias by burial they have absolutely buried the violence against uh, pregnancy centers, right. against pro life facilities and organizations, the fire bombings, the graffiti threats, uh, all of it. They've ignored it. Again, in service of the the abortion agenda, and so although it's just 17 seconds that we saw on Univision, it is an extraordinary 17 seconds because they covered it. Yeah, which is something that you. We, we hadn't seen to date and I have to reiterate, the reason that the Latino media networks go all in on whether it's abortion, whether it's gun control, uh, whether it's it's climate is in terms of activist coverage is because this is also in support of immigration. If you want relief on immigration, the kind of relief that's gonna guarantee a steady inflow of viewers to your networks you're going to tend to support the politicians and causes that are going to make that happen for you. So the politicians that are going to want to open the border are also the politicians who are going to want abortion on demand. who are going to want total gun control and confiscation and to impose a green new deal. And so you, you see how, how the, the coverage is going to tilt in that direction as well.
0: Now you did say Univision caught something it really didn't expect. Uh uh out on the street uh they interviewed someone and and who insisted the majority of women are pro-life and then the univision reporter said well we're also seeing a lot of men and she said there's no problem with that in fact for me a man that does not defend the defenseless is despicable he's a piece of bleep do they bleep that in spanish we beeping.
1: Well, <laughs> if I say it in Spanish, it's the same as English. Yeah. But the words that were used by pro-life activist Jocabed Torres Bernal. All right? Jokebed Torres Bernal. In Spanish, she called them a pedazo de mierda. Which <laughs> I, I think we all we all know what that is. <laughs> we all know what that is. We're not gonna sugarcoat it here. But uh, you know, that's the thing with live TV and live coverage. And uh this was in the mid, like right in the in the early parts of of the coverage, as uh, you know, you had the one Univision Capital correspondent Claudia Youseeda. She was out amongst the pro-abortion crowd, and she was following this one activist who was trying to accost Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. And when she split off of of, of that and off of uh, Greene's entourage. She called her over by name, so she was known to Uceda and said, hey, Vania, come over here. Let's talk. What were you doing? Oh, I was yelling at this uh, racist Republican or whatever have you. And they were going on for about three or four minutes when Hokebeck just shows up. And at that point, the interview became uh, sort of like the living version of the bachelorette meme where you have (laughs) the, the, the two women yelling and you have the cat with the salad on the other side. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened with Hokamed in the role of the cat. Just calmly, calmly, calmly defending life and defending, you know, uh, life at, at, at conception and the value and dignity of life. And when, uh, you know, when Hokamed says, when Hocobet Torres says that, yeah, in fact, most Hispanic women are pro-life, who said I wanted to make the point, well, what about all these men? What about all these, you know, what about all these pro-life bros? As is to suggest that her point was diluted by the presence of pro-life men yep. at that rally. And at that point, that's what she would look I would expect that. I would expect men to defend the defenseless. In fact, a man who does not defend the defenseless is a piece of S.
0: <laughs> so and she's a student at Berkeley.
1: She is a student. Listen, this is fascinating. She is a student. She's from Orange County, California, and she's a student at UC Berkeley. And she came out to support uh, the, 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 uh, the ruling. So she was out there.
0: Well, I hope she they don't, was out there. I hope L- they don't punish her on campus. Well, yeah, uh, you, you never know. All right. A couple of other little items that you've been working on. There was a well. This is this is almost like you don't want to discuss it. But speaking under a trending screen graphic and lovey-dovey visuals, you guys, right? Anchor Carolina Sarasa of Noticiero Univision warmly delivered the story of Carly and Mercedes, a same-sex couple of TikTok influencers. Carly and Mercedes, who just discovered they could be not just lovers but real-life sisters.
1: It just warms the heart, Mister Graham. <laughs> it just warms the heart. This is the this is the kind of thing it is I gotta tell you, th- these midday newscasts are are just a, a brain drain to have to watch. <laughs> I don't complain.
0: Well, because like do. I
1: tell you know, I, I, I like I want to have like on the one hand. Like our friend Nick Fonda Caro, who who has to cover the view, yes, um, you know that's that's some rough duty. But I'm reminded, um, you know, like like Hyman Roth said in Godfather Two, this is the business we've chosen. (laughs) So we we you know we we deal with it and we roll on because this is the business we chose. And so these midday newscasts, they really, um, I want to say that they're not substantive, they're not deep, and they. There's there's a lot more nonsense that you'll see. This is not something that you'll see at 6:30, for example. Yeah, you won't see this at on at 6:30 on a 6:30 newscast. But Univision somehow felt the need, instead of reporting, you know, ra- and again, rather than report on high gas prices and, and food inflation and on a wide open border, this is the kind of bilge that they're showing Hispanic audiences about a couple of TikTokers a TikToking lesbian couple who may or may not be sisters. And as this story is running, they're showing visuals of the sisters kissing, alleged sisters. So it's it's tantamount, I, I thought or we thought, to a normalization, if not outright promotion of incest during Pride Month. So this is the kind of rot that we, we see on Spanish language media. So it is important to show. It is important to point out uh, because it it really exemplifies a disconnect that is going on between Latino corporate media and its audience. I'll give you an example. Uh, Americano Media, which is one of of the emerging um, conservative Spanish language outlets, they conducted a study along with Florida International University. And the study showed that only 31% of Hispanics nationwide trust the media. So it's a, this is emblematic of the kind of stories that have rightfully earned that mistrust.
0: That's powerful. You know, you also noted, we'll wrap with this, the Miami Herald recently published an editorial in support of child attendance at adult drag shows. Uh, it, the Miami Herald editorial was so popular It was reprinted by other publications, including the Orlando Sentinel. And then you found, but guess what? Neither the Miami Herald nor the Orlando Sentinel ran this editorial in support of drag shows in their Spanish language sister publications. Are we surprised?
1: We got a running theme here, Mr. Graham. We got a running theme here of the Bias by Burial. Here you have it. Uh, the, The Miami Herald and the Orlando Sentinel. Running the the drag queen. uh, It was this is about the drag your kids to pride event in Dallas, Texas. You know, the one that had the neon sign in the back that said it won't lick itself. That event. (laughs) Now, as as I as I mentioned in the item, I'm guessing that the main reason that the Miami Herald did not choose to translate that editorial for its Spanish language readers is because then it would have to go through the hassle of explaining to the to El Nuevo Herald's viewers what the it is that will not lick itself.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> they just can't use a vague slogan like taste the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been
1: more effective probably, but you know. Why it's it's drag you know, at this point, it, this is a drag event at this point, all subtleties out the window, Tim. <laughs> so uh you know, they, they could have talked about this, they could have illustrated it. If it's an editorial bashing Ron DeSantis, they're they're more than happy to run that down in South Florida. Um, but when it comes to exposing the Hispanic community to something like this, you're going to run an editorial and you are a bilingual publication. Then have have the guts to run it in Spanish. Also, let the community see what it is that you champion. Let the Hispanic community see what it is that you really represent. Otherwise, you're sort of being two-faced and and showing one thing for one audience and another for another. And it's one thing to tailor content, but these are editorials. So if the editorial board is is ready and willing to say something with, with the fullness of their chest and their voice, they ought to have the guts to reprint it and say it in Spanish where the rest of your viewers can see it. Even if it's not going to fly with the community, you had the guts to put it out there, put it out there in Spanish, too.
0: Yeah, this is the fun part is being able to point out something that they don't really want you to point out um, and which really does underline something that they know, which is that, yeah, that the Latino voter is probably more culturally conservative than uh, woke white liberal corporate media, as you suggested. Much,
1: much more, much more. The
0: wokeism does not uh, translate very well into the
1: Hispanic community.
0: Well, we encourage everyone to, uh, to come to Newsbusters, and right there on the board, you know, there's a Latino uh, thing. Click on Latino and get, get more of this. You know, Jorge does something really interesting in that he posts videos, and the Spanish-language videos have the English uh, captions on it, um, and it's really educational for you to see what's going on and what the, what the Latino, the Spanish-speaking voter is seeing on that media. So if you want to keep up to date with what we're doing, you come to NewsBusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening and happy birthday, America.